Well, good day, everyone. Good day. Good day. This is your man, Jason Miles with the Real Estate 360 podcast. And today we're going to talk about negotiations. Uh, I did a, an event uh, a week ago, a week and a half ago, and negotiations and uh, marketing were uh, the key components to that particular event because, you know, we're in real estate. We do real estate. Some of us have some other businesses as well, but these two things are a part of everything you do, marketing and negotiating. Well, today we're going to focus on negotiating. I've gotten a lot of questions about how to do that. And believe me, we can go on and on and on and talk about that. But we're just going to talk about a few key things, things that I think are very, very important for you to kind of hopefully implement into your uh, negotiating strategies and work with them. And I'll give you a, a book, maybe two that I'm familiar with that will definitely help you out in those processes. So get yourself something to write with, download this, you know, save the timeline, whatever it is you need to do, because there's going to be some key things that you're going to want to get out of this. I'll see you right back. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. And thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. I, I really can't uh, thank you enough. You know, I appreciate the fact that more and more people are, are downloading the podcast, you know, week after week after week. Uh, that means that I'm giving good value. But, you know, make sure you guys comment. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't like. Tell me what you'd like to hear more of. I really appreciate it. So let's just get right into it. Negotiations negotiations. You've done all the marketing. You've set the appointment. You're, you're going to look at this property or, you know, whatever it is, right? You know, it could be a single family home. It could be an apartment building. It can be, you know, you know, any kind of commercial piece of land, whatever it is, it really doesn't matter. You're going to have to negotiate this price. Okay. So that it fits into what you want it to be. Every deal isn't going to just fall into your lap and it's just this perfectly, you know, package thing that's exactly what you want every time. So you have to be ready for it. And I'd say that one of the most important things that you have to keep in mind when you're negotiating is don't talk too much. You know, you need to listen to understand, not to be understood. That's a very, very, very big problem that most people do you know i mean this is something that a lot of people do when they're negotiating you know they've worked really hard you know they've read every book you know and they're listening to the people but they're really kind of playing you know double dutch they're waiting for their they're open in the conversation you want to understand where these people are coming from you need to listen way more than you're speaking listen to understand don't listen so that you can be understood. Okay. You know, but another thing that goes, you know, hand in hand with that is, you know, one of my, you know, what I call one of my high level tips is that you have to align yourself with the seller's motives. You know, you have to put yourself in their shoes to understand where they're coming from so that you can, you know, make the offer that's going to be necessary. I mean, you're going to do that either way it goes, but the negotiation aspect of it is, is really, really important. You need to understand what their motivations are because you're going to run into all kinds of people. You're going, to you're going to run into people that are completely and totally unrealistic about the price points 
that they're you know asking for, generally on the high end, right? They're just totally unrealistic. Uh, and that's because of whatever emotional attachment they're going to be having with this property, right? You're looking for pain points. You want to really understand these people, right? And that's what's going to take you over the top. So listen, you know, listen to understand. Do not listen to be understood. Put yourself in that person's shoes. Try to understand their perspective because that's what they want. You know, that's what they want. And especially if we're buying properties in distressed situations, there's pain points all over the place. You just have to uncover them. Sometimes they're, you know, people are just tired and so on and so forth, but you still want to listen. You still want to be a part of that. You, you, you want to know where they're coming from. I, I think that is, you know, number one, just the key thing first and foremost, because most of the time when we're dealing with people, most of the, the negotiators, especially the new people, and they don't even have to be new. They can just be cocky, you know, or, or confident, whatever words you want to throw in there. It doesn't really matter, but they want to be the smartest person in the room. You know, they want to be understood first. And they want to be, they want everyone in the room to know that, Hey, I've been doing this. I know exactly what's going on. You know, I can tell you this, that, and the other, man, they don't care about that. The potential seller doesn't care about that. They know what they know. And that is they want X number of dollars, or they want to be out by this period of time. We know whatever their desire is, but if you're too busy focused on you and all your, you know, knowledge, you're going to be left with nothing. I mean, with absolutely nothing. You're going to do very, very few deals. So you need to be, you know, completely aware of that. Don't be the smartest person in the room and listen to understand not to be understood. Okay. And again, hand in hand with that is you're, you're doing those things so that you can align yourself with the seller's, um, uh, uh, in, um, needs, excuse me, you know, whatever their needs are, you're, you're aligning yourself with them by listening. So you can package your offer in the right kind of way. Right. So those are really kind of like three things that you could expound on and teach separately. But, you know, my intention isn't to keep you here for, you know, a long time, right. I want you to get this information and put it to work. Right. So I hope you understood that part right there. I'm pretty sure you did. And if not, just listen to it again. I mean, because the less you talk in negotiations, the more you win. And then when you do speak, it's it's not so much of what you say, it's how you say it, which takes me to my next point. Voice inflection. And there's so many different ways to do that. You can have an opportunity where you want to, or maybe even need in certain circumstances to take control of the conversation and your voice gets a little louder and a little stronger, a little more firm, not necessarily. I mean, it's obviously it's louder. You know, you're taking a very aggressive stance here. Sometimes it has to be that way, but it has to be momentary. And then you got to fall back down and then you have to be normal. You know, there are certain situations where you'll, you'll hear something that they say and, and you'll say, so, so what you're saying is that you have to have $250,000. So you're saying it like a question, almost as if it's just completely and totally unbelievable. 
right? Because that's when you do that. So voice inflection plays a huge, huge role in the potential seller's view of you. You have to remember also that, you know, ne negotiations are, it's this psychological dance that you're doing, you know, for, you know, however many minutes or hours or days or sometimes weeks or months. It's this, it's this very unique and sensitive dance that you're doing to see who, who's going to reveal their, the, the kink in their armor first, if you will. Right. So you, you have to be like that. And sometimes you have to have a stern voice. Sometimes it gets louder and sometimes it's just strong. Listen, this is exactly how this has to be. You know, this is what this is period. Sometimes it's that way, right? You, you're going to have to learn how to gauge the other human that you're speaking to so that you know how to play the game and where you're going to go with them. Because, you know, uh, that's a really, really important thing because you are taking control of the situation in every case, but the perception of your control is more important. Does that make sense? I hope it makes sense. It's the perception of your control. You can be in complete control of the situation, but look like you're not, right? That's the same as we started this. That's a perfect example of that would be walking the property and allowing these people to lead the way, you know, to basically take you on the tour, allow them to tell the stories, you know, of the, of the house and of each room and things they may remember, depending on, you know, what the situation is, it could be good. It could be bad. Right. But allowing them to do that is letting them feel in control of the situation while you're listening to understand you're gathering information, you're listening to understand so that you can formulate, you know, your responses a little bit later. Another good key while you're listening, another good thing to understand or to, to do is to mirror certain words when it is time for you to get into the conversation, right? Excuse me. So what that means is you can be walking this property with a person and they'll say, you know, well, you know, we had a, a roof leak and we got the roof fixed a couple of years ago. So you're saying that a couple of years ago, you got the roof fixed or patched up. So it lets them know that you're listening to them, but you're also gathering more information. Was this a patch job? Was this a new roof? You know, and it will lead into other situations. Uh, you know, other questions will come up, you know, like maybe it was close to a soffit and it was leaking down a wall. And when you're saying that, they'll be like, yeah, so it was, it was leaking and we just had to patch it up. It was over here. And you'll walk over there and you'll look at it. And then, of course, you're going to be looking at the windowsill. And now there are different verbal or I should say nonverbal cues, uh, sounds, gestures, you know, like jerks, things that you could do. Like when you walk over and you, you see the water spot and you go, ooh, mm, mm, mm. now they know it's a problem. And you know it's a problem, but it may not be a big problem for you. But definitely it's going to be reflected in your offer. And now they know that. They know that this is going to be a point of negotiation, right? Because now if you see it on the wall and the ceiling, it's not just the roof. Now it's the sheetrock on the ceiling and the sheetrock on the wall, potentially the window. But you already know, especially you know after you've done this a few times, you already know um, if you're going to have to replace that roof, if you're going to have to 
or if you want to change out those windows, you already know. You already know if the house hadn't been modified, renovated in 40 years, you're probably going to be changing the windows anyway. So, but it gives you more room. It gives you more reason and it gives them an understanding. And some people will, will utilize that. I, I am absolutely guilty of doing that. I am absolutely guilty of wincing. Oh, I want them to know that it's a problem, that it's something. Um, you know, sometimes I'll just touch it and rub it and go, ooh, man, it's a little lumpy right there, you know, whatever, you know, but you're, you're sending cues and you're letting them know without saying to them. And that is, believe it or not, a lot more powerful than saying, you know, I got to take something off for that roof and these windows, right? They don't want to hear that. You know, that that's a conversation that you can have a little bit later when you're going back and forth. If you're, if you're in a, you know, having an opportunity to do that. So those voice inflections and utilizing the last two or three words or, or not even the last two or three words, it could be selected words in, in the phrase or in the statement that they just gave you that you pick out that you want to expound on, that you want to get more information on. that needs to be elaborated. You need, you need them to go a little deeper or because you're, you're doing, again, you're doing two things. You're gathering more information and you're expressing concern over a particular thing. It could be just that you're giving an understanding of that, but for more, more realistically, they know you're listening to them. You know, that above all else is, is important. And I got to tell you, we're dealing with humans, right? People. It doesn't matter if the person that you're talking to you grew up in this house and they have to sell it, you know, because it was left to them or it was a potential investment property and things just didn't work out or it's a, you know, pre foreclosure and they're having that pain. Or if you're dealing with a business, you know, this property is owned by a business and you're dealing with a representative of that business. They're going to have some story about the property, uh, especially if you're walking it with, the, you know, the, the decision maker, if you will, especially if it's a, a, a corporately owned property. And we do, we deal with those. I know a lot of people don't deal with those. They kind of shy away from working with, you know, investor owned properties because of whatever reason, you know, investors always want to get as much as they can get, but believe it or not, investors get into trouble as well. I mean, we saw last year where Zillow had to sell seven or 8,000 homes so that it could, you know, stay liquid because they'd made such bad deals. So they have to sell them at a discount to other large investors. Of course, <laughs> the little guy isn't getting, getting into that at all, but these other hedge funds are going to come in, buy it at a discount. Zillow is going to sell it at a loss just to get it off the books and have, have more liquidity so that they can do whatever it is they want to do with that, with that cash. Right. But investors get in trouble as well. We market to them. Um, because through the pandemic, a lot of them couldn't get the properties done in a timely manner because of all the things that were going on during the pandemic, you know, we had people not working, uh, we had supply chain issues, whatever, you know, we had the supply, but the cost went through the roof and it blew so many people's budgets that they simply couldn't finish the projects and they needed to be saved. So those are for us anyway, very, very good opportunities that we consistently look at. Now I wouldn't necessarily recommend that for someone who's 
just starting out because it could be, you know, some of the some of the little nuances can be a little bit differently because there's loan takeovers. If you can negotiate that with the existing hard money lender, there are partnership opportunities, depending on how deep the people are in the property. You're never really concerned. I mean, you have a concern about their cash position in terms of how much cash they're out of pocket into that deal. But, you know, the hard money has, you know, generally will have positioned themselves in a place where wherever the person is at, they've only released so many money, so much money. So from a loan perspective, it's going to look, the deal is going to look a lot better than it's going to look from the perspective of the person that's been shelling out the cash. So your conversation with them is going to be a lot different. They're going to be, some of them are concerned with just stopping the bleeding. Just let me get out. Some of them are going to say, I need to recoup as much as possible. And with those people, again, it's from listening. It's from listening. Before you speak, before you formulate an offer in your mind, you have to listen to what their pain points are. Because if they're saying, I just need to get out of this thing, I need to stop the bleeding, you're not going to be looking for partnership opportunities. If they are in trouble and you understand the situation, they're like, look, I need to recoup some of this money then maybe you keep them in the deal that saves you money from having to go uh, uh, get a new loan. You can go to their hard money lender and negotiate more time. There may be an extension fee, but it won't be equal to the points and the closing costs that you're going to have to incur by getting a new loan, right? You'll still have that property signed over to you. You'll have full control of it and the whole nine. It's basically a subject to, but you're in control of that and you'll be able to set the the deal parameters with the previous owner if you want to do a deal like that we do those uh i don't know we probably do one or two of those a quarter right maybe one or two of those a quarter we don't do too many of them because we know the property is going to wind up on the market if it's a if it's a local deal um not all the time but we generally know which lenders are you know, doing what? So we can call up the lender. We have, you know, a track record with these lenders. So we can say, hey, we want to get into this deal. What do we need to do to, you know, just push things forward as they are? Go from there, make deals and, and push forward. But again, it's a matter of just listening, right? Now, getting back more into the details here of the negotiating, right? I am always a big fan of allowing people to tell me what they want. You know, what are you expecting to get for this property? Because it tells me if they're being realistic or not. You know, uh, we went and looked at one over the weekend and the people were completely unrealistic. The property needed $60,000, dollars worth of renovation. Uh, that's be not because it wasn't renovated. It was how they had it renovated. They had the property built. As soon as you walk in the front door, it's like you're in a diner, okay? it's you can't sell a house like that i mean you, you just can't you know it didn't have any hvac um it, they were you they're using it as a rooming house so that has to be dealt with it was a four bedroom one bathroom house but they took one bedroom and chopped it in half so they could make two small bedrooms the original master it just didn't you know it just doesn't make any sense there's a lot more that you could do you know what we would do is turn it into a three bedroom two bathroom but it would have cost us about sixty to sixty-five thousand to do that. Didn't have to put a roof on it, 
The backyard is beautiful. Uh, brick house, just paint the brick. Not much to do on the outside at all. A very relatively easy deal for us, but these people were so unrealistic. They wanted 250000 for a property that's right now, I mean, if it was fully renovated, the market high end would bring it 320. So you'd have to be somewhere between three and 310, okay? With the square footage, the bed and bathroom count and, and a true modernized um, uh, look, open floor plan and so on and so forth. So they were just unrealistic. And because the property needed so much work, I couldn't go in and do a subject too because I am unwilling to go in and dump that kind of money, you know, even if it was just half of that into a property that I would only have a tiny, tiny, I have to do so much work for this little bit of equity, tiny bit of equity. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be good. It wouldn't be good for us. If it was a house where I could have gone in and put five, six, even $10,000 into it to make it look, you know, to, well, to make it rent, you know, rent ready or livable, clean and nice and neat and smelling good, then I would definitely put another option on the table because I'm always, hey, okay, your price, my terms. I'm always like, I'm always open to that when we're negotiating, right? We just need to be on, on firm ground, not even on level ground, just firm ground. We have to have our, both of us have to have our feet firmly planted on the ground. Whereas these folks were so emotionally attached to the property because they had done the work themselves. And this is what they, this is their idea of a beautiful home. Their idea of a beautiful home is walking into a house that looks like a diner, <laughs> not mine, and probably not most of the buying uh, public today, but that's what they enjoy, okay? So obviously it has to be worked out. So, you know, we made them the offer as we would, and they were extremely offended, but it doesn't really matter. We'll go back because they're going to get offers from other investors, and they're going to be very, very similar to ours. You know, we were on the high end of our spectrum. We knew that they were asking 250 because we asked them when we when we were talking, you know, what is it that you and we don't bring it up right away, by the way. We don't bring it up. We build rapport first as we're walking through the property and allowing them to be all excited about their property and they're pointing out all these great things that they've done. Then inside that conversation, maybe 20 minutes in, 15, 20 minutes, could be 30 minutes, depends on on where we are. You know, hey, how much are you looking to get for this property? And then they'll tell us. And in this case, that's what they told us, 250000 And I immediately knew because before you go, in order for you to be effective as a negotiator, you have to have done all of your homework. You have to know everything about that property. You know, everything that you can get. Where is it at? How long have they owned it? You know, do they have a second mortgage? I mean, you don't have to know all these things, but the more information you have, it's ammunition, right? It's ammunition. You know what their interest rate is. Uh, you know if it was, you know, in, in pre-foreclosure, if they're late. You, there's so many different things that you can find out that are so, so very helpful to your negotiation strategy. Because when people have pain, they need to do some things a little bit differently. And in these people's case, they don't really have a lot of pain. They had one loan. You know, they're older. They want to get out. They don't want to stay in the property. You know, they don't want to manage. They want to just cash out and buy themselves a condo, husband and wife. That's what they want to do. And they have a $250,000 number in their mind, but they'll never get it. Maybe they don't sell it at all and stay there. Who knows? But 
we we have to let them go through this whole process and and when we make offers we always ask in this case our maximum allowable offer was $174,000 maximum but we don't start there we started you know in this case our initial offer was 150,000 now you might be saying to yourself well that's insulting you already know they wanted 250 well what's insulting to me is them asking for 250 they're never going to get 250 that's basically a retail number based on the work that actually has to go into the house. And by the way, that's with our people. That that cost to renovate it is with our people doing it. Okay. If a home buyer bought it and you know picked one of the top ten Google people, you know, Google contractors, which is what they mostly do, you know, they go for the uh, the big company that's got the license and the bond. I mean, all of them have it, but you know, the the big ones that are are marketing and they're out there, they're going to probably be 40 to 50% more easy. Could be even double, right? But they're definitely going to be more, a lot more. So the deal still wouldn't work with current, you know, existing loan structures that are out there, like the 203 loans, where a person can buy the house and, you know, they have get the money to renovate it and just move into it, right? So it wouldn't even work on something like that. So we know that these people aren't going to ever get 250,000 for them. So what happens next? They just wind up now in our follow-up database, right? We will just continue to follow up with them. I'll follow up with them in a week in this case, you know, maybe 10 days because they were very offended. I mean, they were really offended. So, but they're going to keep getting these kinds of offers and we're going to just keep following up with them, following up with them, following up with them. And I will continue to follow up with them until they say, take me off the list or I'm going to report you, right? I'm going to keep following them. They're going to get emails. This particular couple, they don't have social media, so I'm not going to be able to, you know, really get to them that way. But they do use the internet and they do have email addresses. So they, they do have an address where I'll be mailing them things once a month as well to stay top of mind. I want to, I want them to know us our logo, our voice, you know, I want them to hear the name of our company when the phone rings, when they get mail, when they open up their emails, I want them to see us. We're relentless. Okay. To me, that's part, that's marketing, but it's also part of the negotiation on the follow-up side. But, you know, you, you have to be in a, in those kind of positions. So again, this part of this was talking about Asking them what they want so we can see where their mindset is because they'll they'll give us a crazy high number or they'll say, you know, I don't really know or, you know, I at least have to get uh, this amount of money, whatever it is. Could be a realistic number or somewhere very close to where we want to be. Then we know that our odds of walking out of that house today with a contract is, a, a, you know, is, it, it's closer to a reality, right? It's we're, we're going to get it if they say a number that's close to where we want to be, because we already know where we want to be. All we have to do is see it. OK, so ask for more than you want out of every deal, but only after you've asked the seller what they're expecting to get out of this. Out of this transaction. OK, and when I say ask for more, I mean, ask for less. You know, your offer is going to be lower than your maximum allowable offer. And you go from there. Sometimes you got to prod people to negotiate with you, though, because sometimes they'll just say no. Even when you're selling stuff, 
They'll just say, nope, the numbers don't work for me. They don't even try to negotiate, which is the craziest thing to me. I just don't get it. You have to negotiate. American society is so it's so used to, you know, the price is what it is. When you walk into the grocery store, the price is what it is. You walk into a department store, the price is what it is. There's no haggling. You, guys, we need to spend more time at farmer's markets, you know, and open air markets where people are bringing their own wares and we can negotiate and haggle. You got to sharpen that that haggling knife. That's really important because, you know, if you don't do it, if you don't do it, you're going to wind up spending too much money and you don't want to do that. Okay. So moving forward, our last thing, you know, is don't be the good guy. When we're walking, when I'm walking these properties, it's not me, right? I work for a company. I am never going to be the person that is responsible for the no, for the bad news, right? Never going to be that person. When we're in the negotiating process, I'm going to get on the phone. I'm going to call somebody. I'm going to text somebody. I promise you I'll be talking about something different because I'm the decision maker, but I don't want to be the bad guy. I, I never want to take the blame for the no, never, never, because I'm going to be the one following up with them, right? I'm always going to be the one following up with them. When we're going back and forth and we're trying to find middle ground, you know, to meet on the price. I'm always leaning on my boss or my manager or my partner, whatever the case, right? But it's never me. There's always someone else. There's always someone else, even if it's just you. But from the, from, from the eyes of your seller, you're not the, the bad guy. You're not the, the person that's giving them a no. You're not the one that's turning them down. You're just the person that works for the person that's turning them down. So when you're following up with them, when you're negotiating, you're taking the power away from you, at least the perception of it, and putting it on someone else. That way, while you're doing your whole, you know, rapport building thing, especially when you're following up, you know, in a few days or in a week, whatever, you know, it's you. And they know you, you've been working with them, you're on their side, you know, and you want to get the deal done. And if you can make people feel that, that way, you're doing good. And you do it with all these things, you know, by, by listening to be, you know, to understand and not to be understood by your voice inflection, by um, uh, using words that they were, that they're using when you come right back at them. So they know you're listening and, and not being the smartest person in the room. People don't care that you do real estate every day. They don't. They care about what they care about and what their needs are. That's it. They're not going to be impressed by how much you know. They're not going to be impressed by how much you know. They're, they're not there for your intellectual prowess. Okay? So don't be the smartest person in the room. Sometimes you got to dumb it down. Give that power away. Give it away so you can achieve your goal. You know that you're in control of your situation. And that, that's how you maintain the control. So don't put yourself in situations where, where you've got to defend your knowledge base because it'll never work out in your, in your favor ever, ever. So if you want more information on, you know, how to negotiate, you know, how to do your marketing, take advantage of marketing as it is today and grow your business and scale your business by implementing these processes and strategies, just hit one of the links below 
get in contact with me, um, take a 30 minute strategy call. We can look at where you are and what you're doing and see, and I'll give you strategies. I'll give them to you right there on our, on our call. I like to do them via zoom. And, uh, you know, if we decide to work together, if we're a fit, we'll go ahead and we'll figure something out, but you will definitely leave that call with more information than you got on the call with that you can immediately put into action in your business, which is all I really want you to do, right? I really want you to find the success that you're looking for, whether you're a person that's just starting out and haven't done any, or you're someone that's doing three to five deals, looking to do eight to 10 deals. Scaling is a big thing, you know, and it's for most people, it requires more time, but that's not what you don't want. You don't want to do that. You have to be smarter, smarter than the average bear, boo boo. You got to be smarter. So thank you. I appreciate your time. I don't want to hold you up anymore. I wanted to get these uh, uh, negotiating tactics out of the way uh, because we can talk about them forever. Oh, and I did say that there would be a book. There's a book called uh, Influence. I can't remember the author, but I mean, there are several of them out there. That is just one that struck me really, really well. I will see if I can find a link uh, to that book. It'll probably be on Amazon and I'll put the link in the description here as well. But that, that was a great book. That was a book that, you know, truly affected me. You know, there's a ton of them out there. You know, there's a ton of them out there, but that's one that really affected me and, and helped me kind of stay on the path. So utilize these skills, rewind it, listen to this again, because I promise you these things work. I promise you they work. And there's so many other strategies and skills and techniques that you can put, you know, into your arsenal as well. But read, learn, and do. Okay? This is your man, Jason Miles, Real Estate 360, the podcast. Thank you so much for your time. And I will see you next week. Peace.